Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. Carla Kitch is going to share with us. I'm going to turn this on. I don't know if it's on. Check it out. Check, check, check. I guess I have to hold cool. it close. I hate these things. So um, let me know if you can't hear because I'm going to want to do this. Um, and I also pray, I have to, I don't have my readers on, so I may be backing out here. Um, so Pastor Ernie asked me to share a bit about uh, the Kitch story, how we trusted God, and how I helped my children through about the past four years. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yeah, Okay. Um, and I really honestly have so many disclaimers that that could take my, entirely, uh, my entire allotted time. So they're in my mental footnotes. If you have questions, come find me. Um, but, um, and I'm leaving out also about 90% of the meat of our experience, really, because seriously, there just isn't time. Um, and mostfully, mo- most of you, thankfully, don't really need this information yet or don't um, need it at all. So things like how to ask for help, how to accept help, how to graciously talk with people on the other end of the um, insurance company's 1-800-denial line, how to find a financial advisor you can trust, why you needed one yesterday. Um, I thought Social Security was only for old people. What does hospice do? Um, Is using hospice admitting defeat? Is praying thy will be done a sign of weakness or of lack of faith um, when it concerns healing? Um, Headstones, single parent challenges, those are things I'm not even going to hit. Um, so, again, for those things, if you have questions, come find me. I'm happy to talk. There's just not time. Um, and I honestly have missed most of the Sunday school series. Um, every single testimony, um, I was either at work or out of town. Um, but I did get a chance to listen online um, to those three testimonies especially. And all um, were so genuinely helpful, so truly Christ-centered. Um, thank you, wherever you are. There's Tommy. Anyway, um, so thank you. And the Schinnebargers commented um, that preparing their story was kind of like reopening a wound. For me, um, it kind of, scabs kind of grossed me out. So it was a bit, for me, more like opening the the deep freeze and finding this sour cream container, you know what I'm talking about, um, and opening the top and you're like, what? I got zero earthly clue what those contents might be. Is it like old meatloaf? Is it chili? Is it strawberry sorbet? Is it vegetable soup under that quarter inch? You know, I'm talking about the quarter inch of prickly ice. Um, And so for me, I was like pulling that out thinking, anyway, when Jim was diagnosed, I began periodically journaling on Caring Bridge. And so when I went back to Caring Bridge last week, it was kind of like, what am I going to find in here? Um, And so anyways, last week I plopped that container of Caring Bridge, all 203 pages of it, into a mental um, bowl of warm water and started the thawing process. And this is kind of what I've uncovered so far. Um, My testimony since I came to Christ, or he came to me really, has been that God is faithful. There's not a time today um, to talk about nuclear family, about schooling, churches, jobs, missions. But really, God has always been supremely faithful to me, and I've always felt cradled in his capable hands. Uh, recently, I started thinking about my life on a timeline. My small group is kind of going to laugh. Like 2008, I know that your right is here. and Anyway, my right's over here. So 2018 is over here, 1971 at the beginning, and all sorts of these little tick marks in between with these little events, like with little flags. And I kind of dreamed that the pictures, like I could make this on PowerPoint, no way, okay? But you can picture like the timeline with those little flags popping up and pictures kind of popping out that represent God's faithfulness to me. Um, and some of the things that I was pondering, like he around, uh, allowed me to remain single um, long after I would have preferred for his own glory and for reasons that became clear with time. In 2002, um, 
When I was finally, and I mean seriously, honestly, content being single forever, God brought Jim back into my life. And you see, we had been friends. I'm going to see if I can make this work. It'll be like a miracle. Um, So we had been friends in third grade. If there was a pointer, you could see him right there. Um, And I'm I'm up under the trees, the second row in the back. There's Jim, there's Amy, and there's my sister. Anyway, so we had been friend and friends in third grade um, when our families were the part, of the part of the same Christian handbell choir. And because God orchestrated my timeline as he did, when Jim came calling, you know, years and years later, I was a tad less worried that he was a closet criminal um, because, let's be honest, a kid in later hosen, they don't come along very long. So... Um, one that, um, somebody that is an adult makes friends of every coworker, um, and hang on, I've got to do flipping and clicking all at the same time. Um, oh, that's fine, thanks. Makes friends of every coworker, every competitor, the Burrito Beach employees, the American Airline operators, he was friends with everybody. Um, one that is willing to um, clean the maggots out of a little girl's wound, who thrives on helping others. Um, gathers up the pieces scattered after motorcycle crashes. That's the kind of um, that kind of man is even more rare. So suffice it, I trusted God that this was His answer for a groom for me. We are engaged on our third date. Don't do that at home, little girls and boys. Um, and in less than 12 months, I had moved from Birmingham to Portland, Oregon, married. So um, I cannot t- here tell you all the great things about this guy, um, God's kindness to me through him. Um, but I'll just go through a few more pictures, um, which are these timeline flags. Kind of, because, you know, it'll save me a thousand words. So, oh, I hit the wrong button. You good? I thought I hit the black button. Well, anyway, you'll see some in a second. But 2005, um, so 2005, I started seven weeks of hospital bed rest. Jim had flown that morning to Philly to the ADA, got back on a plane before he'd even checked into um, into his hotel because I got admitted that morning. Um, so anyway, here's the result about 11 months later. Um, Jonathan and Matthew. Jonathan's on the floor and Matthew's on his back. Um, so many fun events. And you guys know that this is like the serene picture, but then like chaos behind, you know. So God has us remember the serene picture so that, you know, because he's gracious to us so we don't have to remember the chaos behind. Um, yeah. Some family camp pictures. I'm sure the Brownings were there. Um, and I love this picture. I ran into this. I did not intend to put it in. But you, what you can't see is that the boys, like, they, they throw the ball at that little thing, and the water's supposed to come down. This is at family camp. And really, of course, they're three, and so they can't make that thing go down. But um, so, you know, they just went up and smacked it, and then he gets dumped with a bucket of water, and he loved it. So guys like that don't come along all the time. Um, so God, um, let's see. Here we go. God directed our gaze back to Evansville in about 2008, and sweet Sarah was born. In 2010, um, so here's a few of her and Jim. We, he just loved his little girl. That's Father's Day and family camp again. Um, and that is our, that's our bus stop, and you, you might um, notice the fence and see the fence later on in some other later pictures. Um, anyway, for all these ticks, God had to do all sorts of background work. So here's 2018 right now, here's 1971, and then you know, 2005, 6, 7. But each of these things um, you know, have something that preceding that, that showed me God's faithfulness, if that makes sense, through quiet times, sermons, small groups, friends, family. He was teaching me, um, and he knew that I would eventually have to take withdrawals from all that bank of learning and of faith. In about um, January of 2014, Jim and I um, sought counsel 
faith predominantly because I was unhappy, but also a bit perplexed by Jim's change in behavior since we'd been married. Um, probably I wanted Ernie to fix him, truth be told, um, although I may have said something more spiritually mature at the time. Um, but counseling is slow, and Jim had um, the usual business trips around the States, plus a trip to Nigeria that spring. So I think um, our progress was slower than I expected. Um, anyway, in March, we went to Destin for spring break, and it was pretty cold that week. It was rainy. Um, so there wouldn't have been much beach time anyways, but Jim spent nearly the whole week in the hotel, um, in, in the hotel bed with a headache. Um, he made an exception for this putt-putt place and um, the go-karts, but not much else. Um, on Palm Sunday, which was shortly there, just the next week, he stayed home from church with a headache. He also seemed to catch a stomach bug, but it lasted much longer than it should have. Easter Sunday, I brought him to church, um, but had to take him right back home puking. And at that moment, uh, that point I knew um, but he was headstrong, and I was in denial, perhaps, so it wasn't really until Friday that he got into the right, uh, right doctor. Every medical person in this room knows what happens on a Friday afternoon. Um, that's when things go awry, to put it sweetly. Um, Jim was so bad off, he, well, he couldn't drive either. I had to go pick him up at the doctor's office because he was puking in the parking lot. But um, he was so bad off, he couldn't get his imaging done even until um, he'd had steroids and and his fentanyl, and that evening on April 25th of 2014, that um, MRI confirmed a reason for his headaches and all the vomiting, um, and probably the years-long subtle changes in his personality as well. Um, he had a baseball-sized mass in his left front, uh, frontal lobe. Um, surgical resection of that, the bulk of that on April 28th, Monday, and the path studies afterwards confirmed it was a glioblastoma multiforme, and yes, that's the same as Kennedy, Biden, McCain, yeah, all those folks, and 10 to 14 people we know personally, through family or good friends as well. Um, not a great type of brain tumor, in case you're wondering, obviously. Um, probably 10 of you could have Googled it in the amount of time I said that. But anyway, the boys were finishing second grade, and Sarah was in preschool. Um, so it's at this point that Ernie's question finally comes into play. Sorry, it's taking so long. Um, how does a family trust God when life suddenly brick walls you? Um, here's where more time th timeline thinking came into play for me. Um, you know, because God knew this would happen um, from the beginning of time. It didn't take him by surprise. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't punishment for some secret sin or some lack of holiness. It was God's plan for us all along. Um, I love music. My family loves music. Jim's family loved music. Our churches love good music. And I don't have to tell you how much easier it is to memorize words um, with music than without um, it's just non-work for me. Well, I had hidden many verses in my heart just by saying them over the years, but hundreds more came to mind, um, especially April 25th through 28th when things got crazy because of the hymns or songs that I knew um, that preached the word to me. So those composers were born whenever. I mean, hundreds of years ago too, recently. Published music later. CD I purchased here so that, you know, down here, that in, that um, that those words can minister to me. Does that make sense? Um, so God is also faithful to provide people who spent the night with our kids while I stayed in the hospital. They made People made dinners. They fed the cats. They mowed the lawn. They took my kids to the dentist, to t-ball, to soccer, to church. Um, and I brought this. I, just, I didn't even put it in my notes. But um, these people were not believers. But Jim, they had had a 50-year relationship with a company in Japan. And Probably nobody knows what this is, but we didn't either. But we got it in the mail. It's a thousand cranes. So there's this Japanese, and it's honestly, it's a superstition. Are they Christian? No, they are not. 
But boy, it was really thoughtful, and it was a sign of God's grace to us. That they, they took the time, they took pictures of all them making, all the folks at the factory floor, making a thousand cranes, and then they mailed it to him because it's, it's supposed to heal any disease. Obviously, it's superstition, but it was super sweet. Um, so, um, some of the verses specifically, and I won't read them, but um, that also meant a lot to me. Second Chronicles 20, 12. Um, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Psalm 130, there's hymns and hymns about that one. Um, Psalm 46 kind of became a battle cry for us. Um, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Um, therefore, we will not fear that the earth give way. And then it ends with, be still and know that I am God. Um, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And we kind of laugh because Tripp was laughing about our lack of mountains here, but you know what I mean. Um, and it ends with, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I've always rested on that, too, that God um, doesn't, he's not falling asleep. He's not, um, he's not just letting life go by without him knowing what's going on. So we really did wade through our trials, mostly spiritually unscathed, honestly, because we could constantly see God's faithfulness to us. Um, because we should always finish our stories, here's our rather not shocking conclusion. Um, Jim did work. I don't remember if I have more pictures. Yes, I do. Here we go. Um, and thank you. Oh, sorry. This is after he had had surgery um, and before he started chemo. And um, but he's on steroids, so this is what he ate like four times a day. <laughs> you can you can't even can you even see what's up there? It's like burgers and bacon and like plates of them. It was hilarious. So, um, yeah, Jim did work. Um, he sold dental vans for quite some time after his diagnosis. But in all honesty, he wasn't really at the top of his game. You know how could he be? Um, for those of you that aren't metal, medical, your frontal lobes aren't horribly crucial for many practical things. Breathing, walking, talking. They are, however, the seat, the seat of your personality and your judgment and your insight. And Jim started declining rather rapidly in July of 2015. So many, um, so many odd, scary, sad, um, poignant moments in that chapter of our lives. Um, yeah, and that's, again, another conversation for another day. Actually, this, this day, um, is Sarah in here? Sarah Gutierrez? No. She's oh, sick. Okay, so this isn't in the paper either, but I was sitting right over there where Dan is sitting. Um, we were in church this Sunday. This is October 24th, and dug on it, if anybody, maybe you guys remember this, but um, he fell asleep in church, and like, you know, 220 pounds, or well, no, not 220 by then, 180 pounds of a sleep on me. And we were sitting right over there, and Sarah has, was supposed to take our family pictures in mid-November, and she walked up to me after church, and she says, I'm coming to your house at 2, I'll see you. And so she took these after church that day, because we didn't want to lose the window. Um, anyway, in October 2015, several of Jim's organ buddies came to spend a week each with them and provide me some respite. They rented a convertible, they took him to the fall festival, um, they started a treehouse. Um, did I just scoot? There's Matthew, sorry. Um, yeah, these are the pictures that Sarah took in October. <laughs> um, in November, by, by God's grace, we were able to accomplish one last family trip to Oregon. And you have, uh, you have no idea. Uh, it was difficult. It was amazing. Um, it was exhausting. My goal was kind of like a living visitation, if that means anything to you, just all of his friends to be able to come and see him one last time. Um, it was phenomenally difficult, but it was just perfect. And we made it home. Um, less than a week later, on Thanksgiving morning, I called hospice. Uh, Jim had been sleeping. We'd kind of been sleeping feet to feet on our L-shaped um, kitchen sofa 
for quite some time, probably a month, because he couldn't climb up onto the bed, um, and there really was no way he could be left alone. I couldn't leave him in the kitchen sleeping alone. Um, but that morning, he slid to the floor, and I couldn't get him up without the help of our neighbors. It's 6 a.m. on Thanksgiving, people, um, and that is God's provision, neighbors who do CrossFit. And I, you think I'm kidding. <laughs> I am not kidding. Um, but they came over and they helped me get him off the floor. They helped me move furniture. Um, by noon, we had a hospital bed. We had a nebulizer, suction machine, and an oxygen concentrator, and that thing was so loud. Uh, but the whole, uh, I mean, the hospice came on Thanksgiving Day with a smile. Uh, the whole extended family ate our Thanksgiving feast on TV trays right around Jim in the, in the kitchen. The next night, um, probably 30 saints, that's this, um, filled our living room, taking time out of their own family gatherings to sing to Jim of God's love. Thank you. And that was one of his childhood buddies, you can't see in his hand, but he brought him the little Cub Scout, the little wolf that they had painted in, when they were wolves, and brought it and put it in Jim's hand, so that's Jim's Holman. Um, less than a week later, at 9.59 on Thursday, December 3rd, Jim um, breathed his last. Um, I was able to run and wake the kids so that they could say goodbye if they wanted, and not everybody did, but that's okay. Um, the stuff you just don't know until you know it. What happens next? Um, well, the kindest people ever, ever, I mean it, um, from the funeral home, showed up at my door in suits in an hour. Um, a friend who had recently walked my road had previously counseled me against cleaning up immediately, and I was so grateful for that advice. Um, because if it's all sanitized, you know, was it just a long, bad dream? Did it really happen? Um, but as it was, the next morning, my children, who had been previously a bit afraid of the hospital bed, um, were riding it. I, was, I came out of my bedroom to see, find them riding it up and down and pushing the levers and all the buttons and checking it out and figuring out the baby steps of grief and saying goodbye. Um, and I th think, nope, there we go. Um, and you good people took care of us. God knew what would happen from the beginning of time, of course, and um, despite me not even being able um, eligible for FMLA, I only needed a single shift change um, because of how we had, we had already scheduled our work that month. Friends from, I think, every era of my life showed up to grieve, remember Jim, and worship with us um, on December 11th and 12th, and, I mean, like, right there um, at this very spot. So what would have been our 12th anniversary was this day, December 13th of 2015, we buried Jim. Uh, a difficult question. We asked early on as if it would be to, I don't know, to anything, to have Jim's grave be at the top, um, at the little cemetery at the top of the hill. And, and um, Sarah knows this, this walk, because we've only done it a thousand times, but this is our walk to the bus stop. So the top where you see the car is the bus, I mean the bus stop. Um, and then the little fence, did you guys see the, you remember the picture of the boys at the bus stop? So that's right there. Um, so anyway, that was the question. Um, but God was good to, uh, good to us. He was helping us um, to have peace with that decision. It turned out to be, I think, that day and now a, a blessing um, to be able to choose that spot so close. Um, and that's just some more. Our neighbor is um, Browning, actually, so she was delightful. She gave Sarah all sorts of jobs to do, putting the flowers out. Um, some final, oh, here, hang on. Um, I mostly shared our story, sorry, rather than scriptural truths, but I hope you do hear my heart. God was literally weaving the pattern for this particular end as soon as he started weaving the beginning. 
And when we can see that, how can we not trust God? Some final points about the kids, and then one song, and I'm so sorry this took so long. Um, In case you're wondering, I did ask all three, but um, the other two wanted to stay in Sunday school, so that's just fine. Um, Some practical helps um, for kids, because that was one of the things Ernie had asked about. Um, One of the things I thought is um, we need to not provoke our children to anger, and so one of the ways to do, well, anyway, the way that we avoid, or I tried to avoid that, was by keeping a routine. Kids need it. They love it. Um, We didn't miss days of school, um, except for to go to Oregon. They practiced piano. They went to their swim meets. They took spelling tests. Um, This isn't an avoiding of reality or a closing of the eyes against things. It's just how kids function best, and so that we kept a routine. Um, A friend who had lost her dad herself when she was young reminded me that this is normal for them, and so I didn't want to provoke them by saying, you know, when things get back to normal, blah, 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 this, this is their normal. Um, another thing I remembered, too, is another friend um, who's, who lost her husband and her six-year-old within a span of a year, um, and she met us when we were in Oregon. Um, she came to talk to me, and she said one of the things that she had um, really pushed back against was when people would come to her son, who was like seven at the time, and say, well, you're the man of the house now. And she said, no, 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 no. This is, he's a son, and I did the same. My, my boys were nine then. They're 12 now, and they're not the men of the house. They'll be the men of their own house someday, but don't put that mantle on them now. Um, so that was a practical thing that we tried to do, or tried to not do. Um, new things. We had been introduced to Camp Kesem in the summer of 2015. And... Um, and do you know, those, those kids, those college kids, drove from IU to Evansville on that Friday night, um, December 11th, spent at least four hours with my kids in the party room. I mean, they called it the party room. They asked when it was over, do we have to go home? Like, this is what my kids said that night. Um, they were playing Monopoly, guess who, eating chips and Cokes um, with, all their, with all their friends, all their guests. And the boys um, have now been to this to camp summertime, um, camp at summer four times. Sarah's been three times. And they say the best thing, correct, um, about knowing, um, the best thing about Kesem is knowing that they aren't the only ones like themselves. And here's a reminder that God can use even non-Christians to extend grace to his children. Uh, And these are, sorry, more pictures, same day. Um, Some spiritual help for children, we prayed prayed with them and for them. Our friends and family worldwide prayed for them, that they wouldn't lose faith in God because of hard times. Um, we learned to have compassion and patience. We learned to pray for others in response, for Uncle Bill and for Mr. Leith and Mrs. Kaler. Um, we continually pointed them to um, God's kindness toward us and allowing us as much time as we had with Jim um, and allowing us to live in the United States for gracious sakes where we have access to medical care, um, that our phys- physical needs were met, that Poppy was able to walk and hang out with us and do a lot of things right, right up to the very end. Um, and we left room in our prayers for thy will be done. I heard of another family who did not leave room in their equation for that. Um, they, they didn't leave room in their equation for the possibility that God might not choose to heal their, their daddy. And you can imagine the trial of faith that resulted in, her, in their children. You said God was good. You said that if we pray hard enough, he would heal daddy. He didn't heal daddy. Therefore, it must be either my fault for not praying hard enough or, that, or maybe God isn't really good. Um, or maybe God doesn't really love us. So we tried, you know, it's a tightrope, right? Um, praying simultaneously for healing and for acceptance of any outcome. Um, anywho, here's a hymn that I loved a long time ago. And though, um, oh, here's a couple more pictures, sorry. And Mrs. Browning doing exactly what she does amazingly well.
all the Mrs. Brownings. Um, so here's a song that I knew a long time ago, and it just came to mind this week, and I'm grateful that it did. Thank you so much, Carla. 
We'll pray for you and your family. Um, wow. Amazing. Thank you, Lord, for Carla. Thank you for Jim and the life that you gave him. And for the children, Sarah, Catherine, and Jonathan, and Matthew, we pray for them that they might see you as great and mighty, sovereign, as well as loving, compassionate, and kind, that you are good and you are powerful, and your ways are above our ways. But thank you for the inner strength for, that you have given Carla over these months now, a couple years, months. We pray that you will continue to encourage her, and thank you for her extended family too, her parents and Jim's parents. And Lord, we just, uh, this is life. It's the way this world works. Uh, we're not. We're only here temporarily. Help us to measure our days, present so that we can present uh, hearts to you of wisdom. Thank you, Father, for that time. Amen. Well, that was great. Now, there's lots of other situations I know that are represented even here this morning that you could talk about, um, and maybe there'll be a time down the road where that could happen. Uh, there's been there's been tragedies. We know the tragedy of Meredith. Uh, was that last year? Last year? That was very tragic. One of the college students was murdered up in Indianapolis and just the closest friends of Rachel and, and most of these girls up, sitting up here. But uh, we have to always keep our eyes on the Lord knowing that He is faithful to us. So now we're in um, Psalm 73 here. And... Uh, I'll try to get give you the fill-ins as we go, probably focus mostly on that, but uh, we're getting close to the end of a man who really struggled. Things didn't go well for him, but he saw other people that were doing great, and they didn't even fear God. And I don't know if you read Job this morning, but Job, uh, what chapter, what Job, was it 21, 7 through 15? I think that's what it was. He says exactly the same thing. It says right there, why do these people have such a good life and I'm miserable? You know, he couldn't figure it out. And of course, Job, as you know, is struggling through that whole process. And then his uh, friends, quote unquote, man, they just blast away at Job. It's like, whoa, people, be kind, be kind to one another. But uh, anyway, we're coming up now to Nevertheless, and these are Martin Lloyd-Jones' uh, cha chapter titles. These are chapters 8 and 9. There's only two more, 10 and 11. But um, we're dividing this morning up into uh, Nevertheless and then Final Perseverance. So I'm going to read Psalm 73. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold, even though he's gone through all these struggles and he's acted like an idiot before God. Remember, he's acted like a beast. And he says that. I was a beast before you. But here he says, he comes to this point where he, God helps him through his trial. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand with your Counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. So you can see how he's gone through all this turbulence, but he's made it through, and now he's starting to get ready for the landing. He's going to, he's going to be coming down and safely landing 
in the hands of God, in, in, the, in the grace and hands of God. Nevertheless, is a word of hope. Did I get that up there? Yeah. Nevertheless, the way that verse 23 starts, this is the dividing point. Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about this nevertheless. And uh, up to this point, struggle, struggle, struggle. I've been an idiot before God. I've complained and griped and, and I've acted like a beast before you. Nevertheless. And uh, we are challenged by that. Do you have a nevertheless in your life where it's like Ephesians 2, we were dead, but God. Nevertheless is but God. Everything now focuses on what God, who God is and who God is for this man. We may have been wicked, evil, cruel, angry, filthy, as low as possible. We may have been the dregs of humanity. We may have been so evil and wicked. But if you stop there, there's no hope. There's no hope. But if you don't stop there, but you go on, nevertheless, you're still with God. That's where the, the hope and the grace of God comes in. You can think about the prodigal. Remember him? He's down there. You know, rebels against God, against his father, goes running away, and he's down there in the pigsty. He's down there about with the beast. He's like a beast. And all of a sudden, nevertheless, the sovereign God works in his heart, which is the grace of God always. Anything moving us back toward God is always his grace, not our brilliance or our power or anything. And, you know, here I am in this pigsty when my father is back there. And so that's his nevertheless moment. And we all, hopefully, you've had a nevertheless time in your life where you have turned back. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it's the connecting word here. Uh, he's going to the bottom, but now he's coming up. And what, what we see there is the grace of God. We see the grace of God. Grace has drawn him back. And uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones divides it up into three parts. You know, what, what changed? What, God could have blotted him out. Nevertheless, God could have blotted him out. But no, God didn't blot him out. And so this is God's amazing grace. This is God's saving grace. Did I have? Yes, there it is. There. This is God's saving grace. Because nevertheless, I am continually with you. And this is so encouraging. I don't know about you, but I struggle with sin and I struggle with doubts and I struggle with times when my heart is cold and I act like a beast before God, if you know the truth of the matter. But God, nevertheless, God's saving grace. And uh, as the psalmist says there, I am continually with you. It is a new realization of God's amazing grace. All that is wonderful in your life and mine is the result of God's grace. Pure, uh, pure and simple. God's amazing grace. It's grace alone that we are, even you and I right here, it's grace alone that we are still uh, with God or even after acting like beasts before him. And this teaches us the saving grace of God. There's three, two psalms up there. His forgiveness. If he hadn't forgiven us, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. 
The next one is really good. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If God marked your iniquities, would you stand before him? No, you wouldn't. And if you would have died already, you'd already be in eternal torment waiting for the lake of fire at the end of, the, at, uh, of Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment. Martin Lloyd-Jones warns here uh, in this section, I'm going to try to keep pacing, here, pacing myself, but if you feel, this is a quote, if you feel that you have any right to forgiveness, you are not, as I understand it, he says, a Christian. We are undeserving sinners. God has moved by nothing but his own love, his own compassion, his own mercy, and his own grace. And that's why we sing, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. The only thing we bring to the table is our guilt and sin and our depravity. So then we go to God's restraining grace. That was God's saving grace. Then his, he's got two here. He breaks it down into two, and I love these. His restraining grace. We live under God's restraining grace. He keeps us. Uh, even that, that uh, verse there, you have taken hold of my right hand. You have taken hold of my right hand. That word can be translated seized, grasped, or take possession of. You have taken hold of my right hand. I just picture a father taking hold of his son's hand to take him through the trials and the troubles and so on. God, in his amazing saving grace, now in his restraining grace, takes hold of this man's hand. You have taken hold of my right hand. Why do we not slip and fall as unbelievers do? Remember back in verse 2, his foot came close to stumbling. He almost slipped. What held him back? God had his restraining grace at work in his life. God's hand had him. God's hand was holding his hand. Do Christians fail? Yes, they do. Do they backslide? Yes, they do. He may fall. You may fall. I may fall. But as believers, we will not fall finally. And that takes us to the third part of grace, saving grace, restraining grace, and then restoring grace. Have you ever gotten away from God? Have you ever let your sin conquer your heart and you walked away from God? If you belong to God, he has restoring grace. He restores my soul, Psalm, Psalm 23. Martin Lloyd-Jones tells about, I want to get this little story in real quickly, about a man who professed that, I think it was in his church, a man who professed faith and was delivered from alcohol and immorality, a life of immorality. He grew quickly, but then slipped into grievous sin, once again committing adultery and into robbing even his own family of money to support his, his uh, despicable habits. He went from bad to worse, and most said, he surely is not a Christian. And we have to be careful at that point. Martin Lloyd-Jones, for whatever reason, said he will come back. I don't know why he said that, but one Sunday night, this man was about to commit suicide by jumping off the Westminster Bridge into the Thames River when Big Ben struck 630. He remembered the evening service at Westminster Chapel, where Martin Lloyd-Jones preached, and would just be starting to, 
starting. So he decided to go hear Dr. Lloyd-Jones and then commit suicide. As he entered, he heard the preacher praying, God have mercy on the backslider. God restored this man immediately and he again stood firm and rejoiced in his faith, even became an elder in a church in one of London's suburbs. God put it in the backslider's heart to go to this church and God put it in the preacher's mouth to pray that prayer and God, God orchestrates these things that are way beyond us. So there's always hope uh, in the Lord. Don't be too quick to condemn people when they fall away. Just pray for them and who knows how God might send them somebody who says God has mercy on the backslider. So how good is God's restoring grace? Martin Lloyd-Jones says, is there anything more consoling more wonderful than to know that we are in the hands of God. He controls everything. He has set his love upon you. Therefore, nothing can harm you. You may fall deeply into sin and go very far astray, but you will not be utterly cast down. He restores my soul. Praise the Lord. It is God and God alone and by grace and grace alone. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, says the psalmist. And then he says in verse 24, With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. You can see how from verses 1 and 2 of this psalm, he's going through this low time, beastly living, and now nevertheless he's restored, and now he is drawing near. And we'll see more about that next week, but... Um, this is called, Martin Lloyd-Jones uses the, the, the doctrine of the final perseverance of the saints. Of course, that's letter P in the Calvinist tulip. Total depravity, un unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. The Old Testament, did I let myself get ahead? I did not keep up with you. Uh, I'm, I'm worth, I should learn from Carla. Final perseverance. There we are, there we are. Now, look at these verses. I am with you. How, how's that verse say? With your counsel you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. This man is now in the grace of God and God is working in his life. Final perseverance. They shall never perish. I hope you have John 20, 10, 28, and 29 memorized. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Romans 8, 28 to 30. If God has justified you, then in, in essence, you've already been glorified positionally, just not practically. We're waiting for glorification. Um, verse uh, 35, who will separate us from God's love? Philippians 1, 6, he who began a work of salvation for you will surely complete it. 1 Peter 1, 5, every believer is kept by God's power. Now, let me ask you real quickly here. And, uh, did, did you grow up in a church that taught, that, don't raise your hand, that taught that you could lose your salvation like I did? I was taught that, you know, you got to hang on there. Believe in Jesus and do the best you can and you hope you make it, which is a completely different gospel than the gospel that we preach in this church, and that is that God saves sinners. We don't save ourselves. It's, it's not our free will. It's God's free will. It's God's free work saving us. And when he saves his people, just like this man, he keeps them. And I'm going to give you these rather quickly. Final perseverance is based on God's unchangeable will. What God starts, he's going to finish. Count on it. Number two, final perseverance is based on God's purpose to save his elect people. Just think about it. When did God choose to save you? Eternity past, right? 
eternity past. If he'd have known that he was going to th throw you out when you did something wrong, he would have never chosen you. He's not going to toss you away after he elected you in eternity past. It's just a great truth. Uh, final perseverance is based on God's purpose to say, I just said that. Final perseverance is guaranteed by God's power uh, and its resurrection power working in our lives. And final perseverance is assured to us since God has already given us his son while we were his enemies. Think about this. And I think Martin Lloyd-Jones says this is the greatest one of them all. He saved us when we were at our worst, when we were those beasts before him. That's when he saved us. Do you think he's going to get rid of us? We, we can't be worse. He's already saved us at our worst. By the way, is, does this encourage you to go out and sin as you want to? Or does this encourage you to love God even more? To love Christ and walk with him even more? Of course the second. Of course it does. Then uh, final perseverance is certain because of our union with Christ. We are in Christ. And, uh, you know, the only way you could lose heaven if you're a true believer through faith and uh, repentance, trusting in Christ alone, the only way you could lose heaven is if God kicked Jesus out of heaven. Because you're in him. The only way you could get kicked out of heaven is if Jesus gets kicked out of heaven. Guess who's not going to get kicked out of heaven? <laughs> if, you, if you struggle with assurance there, I, I find great comfort in that. In fact, I put the, this verse right here, and we're going to probably finish up here. John 6.37. This is a great verse. Uh, All the Father gives me shall come to me. All. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not. That's a ume in the Greek. That's a double negative, And the King James translates it in no wise. I will in no wise cast out. Final perseverance of the saints. That's what uh, Psalm 73 is teaching us here. Now, John Bunyan, in his book, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. I love this quote. I can't read it up there, so I'm going to read it here. Okay. Oh, cries John Bunyan, who struggled greatly with assurance. In fact, real quick, let me throw a, a curveball at you. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, yes. he goes in the wicked gate, and then later on he comes to the cross and gets rid of his guilt, burden of sin. I just heard this week by Derek Thomas on the Ligonier app. Derek Thomas believes that he got saved at the wicked gate. He got his assurance when his burden fell off of his back. Well, you just think about that for a while. That's interesting. Because people question, why does he have him going in the wicked gate and then getting up to the, you know, to, to the sepulcher where the burden falls off of his back? It's an interesting thought. That's Derek, is it Thomas? I think it's Thomas. Uh, anyway, oh, cries Bunyan, the comfort that I have had from this word in no wise, as who should say by no means, for no thing, whatever he hath done, but Satan would greatly labor to pull this promise from me. <laughs> Don't you love the picture right there? It's like this tug of war on this promise, telling me that Christ did not mean me. It may be true about others, but not you. But I should answer him again. Satan, here is in this word no such exception. But him that comes, him, any him, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
And he ends this, this chapter, this, second, this perseverance chapter with these two. How does God sustain us? With his counsel. He sustains us with his counsel. He'll guide us through. And then the second part is he'll take us to glory. What is the end or afterward for God's people? And afterward receive me to glory. Now just think about that. With your counsel you'll guide me. And afterward receive me to glory. Um, that sounds like Ephesians to me. That sounds like absolute assurance. And I love the, remember the other week we emphasized the end? What is the end? He understood their end, they're going to hell, their end. Here the same word is used, it's translated afterward. It's a little bit different version of the word, but it's the same idea. What is the end for, the, for God's people? Afterward he will receive me to glory. What a beautiful, beautiful passage this is. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the promises. Thank you for the, the, the restoring and restraining and restoring grace and that you keep us and you guide us and you take our hand. And Lord, we just need to meditate sweetly on these things. They are so good. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.